welcome back to our Brooklyn Bites. This is episode 146. It's the month of December. I am Stephanie. I am Leon. So what you've been doing, Leon? We've been gone for a whole month. <laughs> We've been gone off planet. Yeah. Exploring outer space. I wish. I wish that was the case. <laughs> well, you know, it's that time of year where a lot of things are happening. Family time and holiday time and yeah. shopping time. All those things. Uh-huh. Okay. I, I guess that would factor into what I've been doing. Sure. Yeah. So we survived Thanksgiving dinner. Ate a lot of food. Right. I guess we have some things to talk about because we're recording a show here. Sure. I have a game to talk about. Yeah? Mm-hmm. What would it be? If you did have a game, would you say you do? I do, yeah. This is a game that I've been wanting to play for a while. Uh-huh. It's a game on the Super Nintendo system. And it features uh, an occupation that I don't see a lot of games being made out of. Mm-hmm. Namely, firefighting. Now, I've talked about Firefighter, the Magic game. On an Atari 2600, right? Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Well, so there's games where, like, you're a policeman, right? I guess. Are there any games where you're a garbage man? I can't think of any. Hmm. Okay. So maybe that is another genre games that's right. you serve the public. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. Civil servant gaming. Uh-huh. So this game is called The Fireman. goes right to the point. This was released in Japan in September of 1994. And in Europe, in March of 1995, Mm. but it never got a U.S. release. It was planned, but for whatever reason, that didn't happen. I wonder why. 94 is still pretty young into the Super Nintendo, Mm -hmm. right? I would think so. Who knows? Maybe the company just decided it wasn't worth the risk. But uh, this was released by Human Entertainment, a company that is... Probably well known for their Fire Pro Wrestling games, and uh, they also started the Clock Tower series. Was was the Clock Tower series on PlayStation? Was that after uh, the first game was on Super Nintendo? Oh, also, it was? okay, mm-hmm. hmm. and then it continued on to PlayStation. They, uh, I guess, were experimental, but this was maybe a follow up on one of their other games that they made. It was a game called SOS. I don't know if you remember that one. Also on the Super Nintendo. Hmm. And that one was kind of a disaster-themed adventure where you had to escape uh, a sinking ship. It was an ocean liner that had flipped over, much like the Poseidon Adventure. So, very kind of bouncy opening theme for this game. More than I would expect for the theme where, you know, (laughs) people are potentially suffering. But it opens up with an intro and it says, The year is 2010. Civilization has progressed little in the last 20 years. Sounds accurate. Okay. (laughs) You think that's uh, an accurate reflection of our situation? All right. It's winter in New York, and the annual Christmas party at the Metrotech Chemical Company building is underway. So, this is uh, a situation where, you know, you have a high rise uh, skyscraper or at least a tall building of some kind, and it's on fire. You immediately think of, well, Towering Inferno, maybe it has the similarities to that. And I guess you could make that comparison, too. The intro goes on to describe further, the time is 6 p.m., a small fire began in the kitchen, which had been left unattended, and the flames, fueled by the abundant chemicals, spread rapidly throughout the building. Now, just because it's a chemical company, does that mean they're going to have abundant chemicals in their offices? It seemed a little strange to me. Maybe the fumes travel. 
I just think it's weird that if you've got an office building, uh-huh. you know, you've got lots of chemicals there. I think that would be in like a factory or a warehouse. Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. I didn't think uh, and there should be like ventilation and uh, yeah, I you guess. would just have like random chemicals in like tubs in the office. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. But that is the premise here. So okay. can't be helped. Uh, so, uh, firefighters are sent onto the scene and, uh, the most prominent members here are Pete and Daniel, two of the top high rise firefighters who have been dispatched to the scene to take care of things. The intro also mentions a couple of other team members, Max, Walter, and Winona. These are other members of the unit, but you really only see them when they're talking to you over the radio. They're not really playable characters or they don't arrive on the scene either. Uh-huh. There's this chemical on site called MDL. This is being stored in the basement of the building. The intro also tells you that what they want to do is they want to bring this chemical up to the roof so that it can be exploded such that it will uh, destroy the water tank that's on the top of the building and that will hopefully put out the fire. I think this is a pretty elaborate plot right off the bat. I mean, this is just the text intro to the game, but... Take a highly explosive chemical, bring it to the roof where you blow up the water tank, and then maybe it puts out the fire, hopefully. I would think there would be a better way to dispense the water. Yeah, this sounds like experimental fireman kind of stuff. Yeah. I I don't know how they came to this plan, but I think... They get proper training for this. uh Uh-huh. Well, all right. Um, I think the plot will unfold, though, and it will attempt to explain why it has to be done this way. Interesting. (laughs) So generally speaking, this is an action game. It is presented from a top-down scrolling perspective. You play as Pete, the firefighter, and you've got Daniel as your partner. And you're armed with a water cannon that can shoot very far in a straight line, or it can spray downwards in close range. So you have a combination of both ranged type of uh, attack, if mm-hmm. you want to think of it that way, or a more melee focused. So if you're, if it's a top-down view, how do you know if it's shooting down? Like, how can you, what's that depth perception? Like, how does that work? Yeah, well, so it's, the level view is top-down, but your figures are kind of from a, like a sideways view. Oh, okay. It fans out in like kind of a semicircle okay, yeah, yeah. around you. Yeah, so it's a like close range, you mm-hmm. can tell. Certain types of flames are better put out that way rather than the ones that are further away using the other style of attack. Uh, You've also got uh, the ability to crawl, which allows ducking under things like pipes and open flame jets and things like that. And also the ability to strafe. By holding down either one of the shoulder buttons, you can lock your firing in one direction while still allowing you to move. So that also is a technique that helps quite a bit. Yeah, I would probably use that a lot. Mm -hmm. Now, your partner is armed with an axe. He's got a fire axe that can help put out fire. can't put out fire with an axe? Apparently, he can. He's pretty good at this, too. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't think I'm going to test that out myself. (laughs) They say so. It it, uh, comes in handy. I mean, usually firefighters do have axes, but they usually use it to break down doors and stuff like that. Yeah, right? Okay. Mm Mm-hmm. But he can swipe at flames and take them out that way. Nice. He also will suggest the pathway, which way we should go next. And he will also provide supporting actions like opening elevator doors for us. Even though you're not supposed to take an elevator in a fire, apparently that <laughs> still does happen in this game. Oh, this is what, a CPU-controlled character? Yeah. He's actually pretty effective as far as like CPU-controlled allies yeah, go. Usually that doesn't work out very well. Like, I, I know. 
like what was that Resident Evil Five had that like they always seem to be really dumb right mm-hmm. CPU. He's pretty well programmed. I, mm-hmm. I gotta say, okay. he is completely invulnerable. So he doesn't take any damage from getting hit by fire. Oh. He might get temporarily stunned and then get back up, but he doesn't have a health bar. He doesn't get, there's no danger of him getting killed or anything like that. Yeah, that's pretty good. So a lot of times he can block incoming damage. If you can somehow get behind him, if you see a threat. And push coming, him into the flames. <laughs> almost. It's almost like that. You go, you go check it out. Investigate mm-hmm. that. He also has one more uh, helpful move which is that uh, you've got a limited number of water bombs that you find along the way. I mean, you start off with a certain number, and then you can pick up a few. If you kind of explore a little bit, you might uncover, like, uh, one of these bombs. So what will happen is if you use one of those, he'll throw it on your position. So if you feel like you're getting surrounded, he can throw a bomb in your position. Just like a grenade or something? Yeah, effectively, it kind of works that way. Is there like a limited amount of water? Do you have to like watch a water meter or something? Your water supply is unlimited somehow. Hmm. You've got water tanks on your back, but you could blast as much as you like. And there's no limit to how much uh, water you use. It, it would be a pain to, to worry about In the year 2010, that. that's the technology we came up with. I'm surprised they don't point that out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> unlimited water supply. We do have that technology, actually. Uh huh. I don't know if it would work in that same way. Yeah. Probably requires a lot of energy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, the flames here, they do behave in different ways. And sometimes they're contained in small patches. And sometimes they sweep across the room in waves. And they have other various movement patterns. Some fly through the air. And they can be avoided by ducking down using that crouch maneuver. Yeah. Sometimes they're just like fireballs flying through, like embers Mm -hmm. burning through the air. Or you could try spraying them before they come close to you. But throughout the game, it's not necessary to put out all the flames. I mean, you would think you're trying to save the building. You're trying to save everyone here. Put out all the fire. You can do that, but it's not really necessary. Mm. Really, what you have to do is just eliminate whatever's like an immediate threat to you and just whatever's like maybe an obstacle in your path. But you pretty much always want to move forward to your next objective. And are you rescuing people or does it depends on what the objective is? Uh, there are options to encounter victims along the way. There's like a life detector that beeps. And as you get closer to them, it beeps more steadily. Picking them up is optional. <laughs> it's optional. <laughs> it's actually not an objective. What kind of to... firemen are these? I know. Well, you're trying to save the building. <laughs> Property over life. <laughs> Man, 2010 was a rough year. Mm-hmm. Well, as you, as you rescue them, though, you do have incentive. Uh, they will refill your life bar if you do rescue some of them. They'll say different things when you rescue them, too. One of them might mention that there's people that might be trapped in a meeting room nearby. Another one is a woman who says, um, my son is missing on the upper floors. Can you help find him? Things like that. Are you on a timed scenario where if you don't touch any of the flames, the flames will just keep growing and growing and then go mm. the screen? Or? Some rooms do feel that way, mm-hmm. but it's not a direct result of the timer winding down. Now, there is a timer. You have levels that you have to work through. It's not like you enter a floor and you just have to clear out that floor and that's the level. Many times a level will span across floors because this game is kind of a big open environment, even though uh, it doesn't really have free roaming where you can go, like you can't really bridge between the levels, but you do have freedom of movement within that level while you're on it. So you do have a timer that's counting down. Usually it's between like 10 or 12 minutes per level. That's the pressure that you're under. Hmm. 
so uh, on the first level, there is a section where I have to cross this bridge that's out and uh, a river has to be crawled into. Now, why is there a river and a bridge in this office building? I guess it's like a mini atrium or like a little indoor garden or something like that. But I just found that to be kind of unusual for the setting. <laughs> now, fire is not the only hazard you have to deal with in this game, though. In one of the rooms that I go into, I'm told that a control robot is out of control by one of the victims. <laughs> and uh, the robot's on fire, and it's going berserk. The robot's on fire. Yeah. It's burning. <laughs> this is a robot that feels pain? <laughs> well, it's lit on fire. You, you see it burning, and it's spinning across it's like, the room. Me. <laughs> it, it's not, it doesn't talk. It doesn't say anything. <laughs> I can blast it with the hose. Daniel can also take one out I with the I thought robots axe. hate that, though. Doesn't that rust create rust? Well, the robot just ends up blowing up completely from the water blast. It oh, doesn't, it does. Like, it doesn't heal him or anything. Okay. He's, not, he's not back to normal after I do that. I have to keep hitting him until he's destroyed. There's also other things to worry about, like barrels exploding and flying into the air. Various side effects from things just being on fire. Any toxic fumes or anything? Sure, yeah. I mean, there's pipes exploding mm-hmm. and, you know... Uh, steam hitting you do like floors open up like from crumbling that does happen too okay yeah you see like sinkholes open up in the floor a lot of times there's overpasses that you have to use to get over areas that might not be passable otherwise uh so we proceed to the basement where this chemical is being stored and this eventually leads to a confrontation against a large fireball that's out of control and spinning through the room and this can be considered a boss fight uh, nothing too special about it, but once you beat it, that kind of marks the end of stage one or level one. And that is what levels are in this game are defined as. Usually crossing through a set of floors, uh, it could be one floor, it could be two floors, and then encountering some type of boss-like enemy. So we defeat this boss, we retrieve the chemical, and now we're told to go back up to the first floor. You know, we'll often get radio chatter telling us where to go next, what has to happen. Um, New characters are introduced. At one point, the building's architect gets into contact with us and tells us what we should be doing to try to help things get under control. We eventually go back up to the first floor to another boss. Uh, This time, it's a steam cloud that has to be fought with the spray setting, the sort of downward short-range attack. Hitting him with the long-range doesn't really do anything to him. But if you spray him too much, he gets mad, it seems like. It seems like it gets all, like... The steam cloud gets mad. It gets, like, more red, and it goes into, like, a very fast, berserk-like move. She starts shooting around the room and leaving flame trails behind. All the while this is happening, there's fireballs spreading around, and there's, like, exploding barrels that are flying up. Uh, We're kind of, like, on a steel grating, and the barrels shoot into the floor from below and then explode. You can see the barrel moving up towards the floor, and then you have to make sure you're not standing there when it gets close. So the other annoying thing that I noticed during this fight is uh, I mentioned there's a timer, and usually you have about 10 or 12 minutes to get through the level, but when it drops down to... um, I don't know if it changes from level to level, but I noticed it during this fight. uh, When it came down to about a minute and 30 seconds left... My health bar suddenly fell down to like just a sliver, such that one more hit would finish me off and I would lose a life. So that made this fight a little more challenging. If you do lose a life, you pretty much are given the chance to continue and you only have a limited number of continues. It restarts you back at that same point, puts some more time back on the clock. 
but you don't have to like replay the level at least. Oh, that's good. Okay. Yeah. The architect, Mr. Weller, uh, is immediately criticized by the firefighters when he calls in. He says uh, there's a lot of poor fire code design choices <laughs> made here. But despite us being critical of him, he does give us helpful hints. He tells us to go up to the third floor where the control for this water tank that's on the roof is. So I guess that was the plan originally. He originally told us, go to the controls for the water tank and you're going to use that water to release into the building to help put out the fire. Some more hazards is now introduced the threat of backdraft. I know there was this movie titled Backdraft. I guess this is a phenomenon in mm-hmm. uh, firefighting that you have to be concerned about is when you open a door that allows air to rush into the room and that might cause uh, an ignition to occur. It will cause the flames to get stronger because now they have a fresh supply of oxygen. So that could happen in this game where you open a door and all of a sudden you get a warning that there's going to be an explosion if you don't get out of the way. Wow. That does happen on occasion, and it's usually instigated by your partner because he's the one that opens the doors. And it's up to the computer AI to determine when to do that. So you just have to watch for the sign. It's sort of like this, uh, the screen kind of goes dark a little bit with like a red sort of glow. And that's when you know that that's about to happen. You can either duck to avoid that or just get out of the way. It's really Mm -hmm. not directly in front of the door. Uh, Another segment where you can... uh, Go outside of the building. There's a point where they tell us the ladder truck is going to use the crane to carry us to another part of the building. So that's kind of a neat little uh, detour. <laughs> the next boss fight is with a larger version of one of these berserk robots. Uh, it's on fire and has a homing laser to indicate which direction it's about to charge in. So this one has a charge attack too. The laser doesn't do any damage, but it just tells you where he's about to move. So you want to make sure you avoid that. Do these bosses have a health bar? Uh, There's no visible health bar. So I can't really tell how much damage I'm doing against them or how much longer the fight's going to take, even though I'm on a timer. Uh, So that causes a little bit of uh, stress Mm -hmm. and uh, panic. (laughs) This boss gets progressively faster and releases these homing flames as it takes more damage. Eventually, uh, after beating him, it's confirmed that the water tank controls that we were trying to get to were damaged by the fire. So we're going to have to break the tank itself to release the water. But it's made of half-inch thick steel. As it's explained in the intro, we're going to have to use that MDL chemical that we secured from the basement to break the tank open. Uh, Most of the fires on the third floor are of the type that have to be extinguished with the spray type. So it has to be done at melee range. And what happens is you can still move while you're doing that, but it slows you down a lot. So as you're walking, you can kind of just spray in front of you. It's best to do it just in short bursts because it'll clear out an area and you can move quicker. Keeping it on continuously would be uh, very slow. The next boss can be described as kind of this dancing column of flames on a pair of conveyor belts that are moving in opposite directions. And they split off smaller piles of flame, but continuous water blasting finishes that one off pretty fast. This is a heat wave that rolls over the fight. So you see this colored wave coming over um, the screen from left to right. Are there any cool like mode seven effects? Uh, I don't think the perspective really changes in this game. Okay. Yeah, it stays pretty fixed in that same overhead view, but pretty good use of color and effects and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, When that wave passes over you, you have to duck down. If you're standing up, you get hit by the wave and you take some damage. Now, the story takes a turn when the explosion from this boss causes Danny to drop the MDL. 
because he is the one that's carrying it. And the shockwave causes him to trip and he loses the chemical and it destroys the pathway mm. that we're supposed to take next to get to the rooftop. Uh, so the backup plan now is to open up some air vents to reverse the airflow and cause a backdraft to blow up the tank. <laughs> so the plot gets more and more complicated as you get through this. The level five boss is, of course, again, made of flame, but this time in the form of a serpent. So it's got what you think of as like a head, and it's got these body segments behind it. So it squirms through the room. This is getting like supernatural now. I, I got to say, if I was a fireman in this game, I'd have to really question what is going on mm-hmm. here. Because yeah. this is all taking place in the same building, right? Yeah. Okay. Sure. And it seems like kind of just the real world. There's nothing mm-hmm. like weird about the setting. But hey, for whatever reason, fire has like very determined uh, sort of intelligence to it. (laughs) So this thing, it goes through the room and it leaves a trail behind, but it doesn't burn really. What it does is it acts as a barrier. So you have to extinguish the trail it leaves behind just so you have freedom of movement and you're not like kind of boxed in. Then when the head stops, it starts to spin in place and these fireballs start to widen. And that's kind of the opportunity to hit the head uh, to finish this thing off. And overall, I found this fight to be one of the tougher ones. It just um, was a very short amount of time to be able to attack this thing. And then while it's moving, you just have to do your best to avoid it. You can try to hit it, but it's not that easy. But we're given directions on how to operate these air vents. And apparently, we have to operate them manually to let the air in. So it's not just uh, pressing a button or something. So uh, making our way up to the roof on the last level is pretty tough. There's a lot of really aggressive fire here. Uh, The patterns get more complicated. At one point, we do step outside of the building onto like a balcony or a deck. And there's a lot of cool rain effects here, kind of like the way the game looks. The firefighters do mention that they need the rain because they say there's like rain in the weather forecast. And they hope that that comes because they're going to need that to help put the fire out. (laughs) And there's also some uh, parts where you crawl through the vents. It's just a neat effect because it kind of um, gives you like an x-ray view of the vent as you're crawling through it. So at no point did these two firefighters say, hey, maybe we should call them back up. You know, there's <laughs> only two of us here. I don't know why there aren't more people. Or are they scene. like the Green Berets of the firemen? These these like the best of the best. Yeah, I think that's the implication. Mm-hmm. These guys are seasoned, like high-rise firefighters. <laughs> so once we're at the destination, the boss fight this time is what maybe looks like a gas fire. It has very coordinated flame attacks. It's almost like one of those, you know, you ever see those dancing fountains where Mm -hmm. it's like very sort of pattern based. It's kind of like that. Beating this final flame boss doesn't quite end the game. You still have to blast these heavy glass windows to cause the blast. Meanwhile, you have to dodge some more like embers floating in the air. But once that happens, you get the little end cinema for the game. Rain turns to snow because we're reminded that this is a Christmas-based game. Uh And I sense a little bit of diehard homage in this Mm. game. It has that feeling to it. Yeah, because that was post-diehard, right? Yeah. Between the sort of Christmas theme and the air vent crawling and so on. Did you say something like, yippee-yi-yo, something like that? (laughs) None of that. Okay. (laughs) But there's there's that hint, I Uh think. And you get a little cinematic ending with the credits rolling over the camera, panning over the city. Is there any indication of the city? Is it 
Does it look like New York? Or? Well, they say it's New York. Yeah. There is a building in New York called Metrotech. I don't know if it was called that at the time. I should check and see. Hmm. Other than that, you don't really have much of indication. You just see like kind of generic bridges that remind you of the city. Because you're on time limit throughout the game, it is fairly short. I think you can finish this in about an hour. Oh, wow. Um, you might not... I mean, it is a little bit challenging. You might not get through it successfully the first time through, but after you played it a couple of times, I think uh, hmm. there is that possibility. I'm giving a rank total at the end. Total number of victims rescued, how much percentage of the fires that I extinguished. Uh, my final score was a 71 out of 100. Passing? I guess. I got a rank B class firefighter. Okay. All right, it's not bad. And I was told you are an average player. Oh. <laughs> Hey, listen, average is fine. There's nothing wrong with average. <laughs> Who likes overachievers, right? Um, sure, sure. I guess it depends on what area of expertise. <laughs> so uh, game-wise, I would say, despite the fireman theme, which is based in the real world, I'd say this game plays very similarly to something like Alien Syndrome, where you could very easily replace... The flames with like just the squirming alien creatures from that game. Mm. It's not quite as free roaming as I mentioned, but uh, your progression through the building is very kind of linear and straightforward. You're guided. You're told where that's to go. That's something you need a map for or anything, like right? That. Okay. Yeah. There's no like get to the exit before something bad happens. This is more like you know get to the boss before your timer runs out. It's really the equivalent, I guess. Mm. But overall, nice graphics and audio. I thought the soundtrack was, mm, I guess, typical kind of jazzy sort of themes that were most commonly used in uh, Japanese games at that time. One year later, a sequel was released for this game. Uh, it's the only sequel the game got, so if you consider this a series, there's only two games in it. Only released in Japan this time, and it came out on PlayStation, which pretty much preserved the look of this game, though. It didn't really change it. It wasn't like a 3D polygon game. It was another like 2D pixel. game. Pixel, yeah. Huh? Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah, so if you wanted to pick up a copy of this game, if you wanted to own this game on a cartridge, I checked on eBay. So for the Japan version, which I think is perfectly playable, you might not get some of the story elements. Yeah, it is. I, I played a little bit of that. Between 15 to $44 was the range for a loose cart. If you wanted a box and an annual, that was between 55 to $90. Mm. So a little up there. Now, there were only two examples that I found of the European or PAL version. And actually, both of them were sold from Australia, which is also a PAL territory. Those loose were $92, and a boxed version was $503. Mm. So, pretty uncommon game. You could say even a rare game. <laughs> but not from rare. <laughs> no, no, not in this case. Okay. There were also some repro carts sold if you wanted just a version that you could play on an American Super Nintendo. Is it repro to look like the original or to make it look like an American release? The ones pictured were using like a US style mm. Super Nintendo cart okay. shell uh -huh. with the same as the like modified Japanese artwork. Um, or maybe, or maybe just the European label. It's pretty mm. similar. Okay. Those carts can be bought on eBay for between $25 to $35. Mm. So. Those are your options. <laughs> yeah, I forgot all about that game. I remember playing it when it first came out um, in the store I worked at, and we had an import version of it. I played it just briefly, not through the whole thing. Mm -hmm. But uh, I totally forgot about that, and so you showed it to me. I was like, oh, okay, yeah. I remember <laughs> it being pretty good. 
Yeah, it's not bad. I mean, if you right. like this type of game, yeah, uh, this overhead action style game, yeah, it definitely fits in. You feel it's a little dated now because of like the simplicity of it, and like there's been so many dual stick type of games at this point. Mm-hmm. Where do you think it's like if they were to re-release that now? You think that would be a good thing or? I guess they'd have to update it a little bit. Yeah. Add some more story to it, perhaps. Give it more of like a, an RPG or objective yeah, right. based feel. a little bit extra. I think that would add something to it. I wonder why they didn't release that here, though. I would love to know the story. Yeah. Because it doesn't seem like there'd be much to translate, right? It was all... Well, much... it was fully translated for the European version, so huh. there really isn't anything Strange. that they would have to change beyond that. Unless they felt like burning buildings in New York wasn't... I mean, it was pre-9-11, so right. I don't see... can't imagine mm. what the issue would have been. I'm not sure. I, I don't know that uh, Human had that much more uh, left to them. Maybe they had some financial That's issues. That's true. They didn't, I don't remember a lot of their games making it to the U.S. I'm looking at their game list. I think... I mean, the Fire Pros never came here until, like, the GBA, maybe. I don't know. Mm. Well, they did make it into the 2000s, because it did continue to release games on PlayStation. So, I guess they did have a little more to them. But maybe they thought the SNES market was shrinking a bit by then? I don't know. Didn't make sense to me. By 95? Yeah. I guess PlayStation was about to come out. Right, yeah. N64. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, definitely worth checking out, I think. So, give it a look if you cool. can. Yeah, I think it looks like a good one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and who doesn't like burning buildings, am I right? <laughs> Doing a good cause, helping people. Yeah, doing your civic support duty. Support our local firefighters. Uh-huh. <laughs> How about on your side of things? Well, I did something a little bit more chill, a little bit more relaxing of a game, where there are no winners or losers in this game. Oh? It's a pinball game. It's called Inks, I-N-K-S, period. Uh Yeah, the period's important, because if you go look for it on the... I think it's on Android, too, but on the iOS app store, which I played it on, if you just type in I-N-K-S, it will not show up, Mm -hmm. that period. Yeah, that search function is really not the greatest. No, it's not. But so this type of pinball, it's like sort of like a pseudo pinball game. This one is it has to do with more of a color and more of an experience, like an art thing more than an actual game. Mm-hmm. So it takes up the portrait view of your phone or a tablet, however you're playing it. And it's all on one screen. The goal is just to, you'll see these like colored squares on this pinball field and when you roll your ball along the color squares, the color squares kind of burst and, like, uh, paint shoots out of it. And you have, like, the CMYK color palette here. Mm-hmm. Um, do you know what CMYK is? The four colors? The, the, the color Yellow, mixing. Yellow, blue, red. Uh-huh. Uh, I guess black. Maybe black. Isn't this? Uh, cyan, magenta. Is that one of them? Yeah, yeah, those colors. <laughs> so... The trick is to try to do it all in one shot, like on one ball. So like your ball ejects from the center and you have your flippers and you have to try to hit these placed boxes around. And sometimes they're like placed in curves. So when your ball kind of runs along a curve, like if you ever played paintball or something like all these, these explosions of paint Mm, just happen. And depending on how hard your ball hits these objects, is kind of like the way the burst of the paint comes out. Mm-hmm. So when you're done, you're kind of created with like this sort of work of art of just like splattered paint everywhere. If you do it all in one shot, when you complete the level, you're rewarded with like a bonus, almost like a golf game. Like you don't really have a, it's not like a pinball game or traditionally where you have like a score of how many times you hit the bumper, like there's mm-hmm. no points. But if you complete it as a perfect, 
you're rewarded um, like two stars or three stars or something, right? Mm-hmm. And then if you lose a ball, then your ball changes color and it gets like a darker color. You'll get awarded with like one star. But after I think the third miss, then your ball becomes black. And when your ball is traveling along the play field, normally it would pick up the color of the paint it rides on. If your ball rolls over blue, you'll see like a blue trail of paint. Mm-hmm. But once you miss like three times, then your ball becomes black. And you'll see, like, black trails everywhere on the screen. And that means you're not going to get any bonus. So you can either, like, start the level over if you care about that and try to go for perfect. Or you could just say, you know, this is the best I can do. Mm. So you really can't lose because you can play definitely, even if you keep missing your ball and it goes down the gutters and stuff. Um, There's really no way to mess up. But if you're really concerned about trying to get those, like, perfects and golden stars and stuff, then... You can just keep replaying the play field. I think there's like a hundred levels total, somewhere around there. It sort of starts off simple where you just have these color packet brick things that are like along the curves and stuff. But then you get more complicated later on where you have these like kind of black holes mm-hmm. where if your ball runs over it, you kind of get sucked in the black hole and you lose a ball. Those kind of stink. Like I didn't really care for those too much. <laughs> and then some later levels there's kind of shields that you have to break first before you can enter and, mm-hmm. and hit these colored right. bricks. Well, that's the least uh, common element in pinball tables. Mm-hmm. And they're placed usually like in these weird angles where you have to like hit the ball in a weird angle and ricochet it and, mm-hmm. you know, try to get it in there and it gets tough, but it's more of a visual experience because when you break like a, a yellow and a red, especially if you do them like together, the splatters will overlap and then only have like green paint mm-hmm. and it's kind of like it looks pretty i guess yeah how is your aim in pinball do you feel like you're good like using the flipper to shoot the ball in like the exact direction you want to go in well like in digital pinball or real pinball well <laughs> i guess both like in other words is that a thing that i feel takes like effect in this game i feel like the physics are not really that accurate uh-huh i, I don't think it, this is the type of game that plays like that it's more of kind of like I'm going to hit the ball and see what happens. And you can kind of sort of aim, but not really. Uh-huh. I feel like a lot of it's sort of just luck a lot of the times. So. Okay. Because when I play pinball, I mean, my goal is just to keep the ball in play. I, I'm not necessarily going for a specific target. Like, oh, I need to hit that one gate to just open up that section of the table. Yeah. I, I don't usually play that way. You, you sort of have to play a little bit like that here. Mm-hmm. But because the play field is kind of small because you're stuck to this all-on-screen kind of thing, it it doesn't really give you much chance to... There's really not... I mean, if you ever played, like, Atari Pinball, like the original Pinball, Uh there's really not much to do because you're on that one screen. Yeah. So it's sort of that whole idea where there's not that many, like, ramps to go up or there's really no bumpers or anything like that. It's Mm -hmm. just sort of hit the ball and try to aim for those colored bricks. Sure. And see if you can do it. There's ways you can kind of help yourself out. There are these helpers where... If you complete these levels in, like, one star or two star, you earn, like, these points. And with these points, you can redeem them for, like, helpers where when your ball approaches your flipper, it gives you the opportunity to aim where you want the ball to bounce off on your flipper. In slow motion, you'll see, like, a infrared beam, and that kind of, like, points sort of where the ball is going to ricochet to, and then <laughs> you can kind of press the button, and that's where it's going to go. Uh-huh. I sort of found them as sort of an annoying thing because it really slows the game down a lot. Even though it pointed where the ball is going to go, it never really seemed to go where I wanted it to go anyway. Like, it never bounced correctly, or it didn't really help me completing the level at all. Mm -hmm. And then there's another bonus, too, where I think it... I forget what it does, but it's like a similar effect. 
And I went through the whole game and I didn't really use them at all. I tested it just like once or twice to see if it helped me on some of the trouble stages, but I didn't feel like it aided in my um, quest at all. <laughs> okay. Um, so it's more of a beginner thing. Maybe. Possibly. Yeah. I don't know. But they, they give you a lot to work with. You mm-hmm. can buy more of those. Like That's sort of the in-app purchase of this game. Mm-hmm. I guess if you do rely on this helper... You can buy more, but I felt like, I, I mean, I finished the game and I have over 400 points of these things to yeah. use. So I, I don't know, but the game's three bucks. You could probably pick it up on a sale if it ever does go on one and uh, came out last year. So I think they're done updating it. I, don't, I haven't seen an update in a while, mm-hmm. but um, this company has a history of making some sort of well-known mobile games. Uh, they're not like new players in this. Uh, they're called State of Play Games, if you want to go check it out. And uh, I think it's pretty good, but it is a very like casual, relaxed, don't look for anything. I wouldn't even think of this as a pinball game, because it's very unpinball-like. It's just the mechanisms of bouncing your ball around are flippers. Right. And that's sort of like where the pinball part comes in. But I'm looking at their other games. They all seem to have a very similar color palette. Yeah, they're very big on, I, I would say, visuals. Like more water, so watercolor than, look. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of when you see the paint splatter. It has a very watercolor. Even the pinball field, it looks like parchment paper. Mm-hmm. And it's a very like 2D, right. simple geometric shapes. It doesn't have that bright enamel paint look. Yeah. Yeah. I've talked about a few iOS pinball games, and I wouldn't say I love this as a pinball game. I think it's a visually, it's very relaxing, I found it to be. Mm-hmm. I think there's better pinball games on iOS for that. But I think it's still, you know, $3, maybe. It might be... A little bit much, I think, mm-hmm. depending on what you're looking for. But I think I picked it up on a sale, maybe like a dollar or something. Yeah, yeah. And you get your iTunes credits on a discount anyway. I do. Usually. Yes, I do. <laughs> I mean, anyone can. It's not just me. I'm not like right. special or anything. No, but you look out for that. Yeah, yeah. So a lot you're... of stores do percentage off on those iTunes cards. Yeah, so when you say you spent two ninety nine on it, you really probably spent, you know, yeah, like $2 on it. Probably, yeah. Uh-huh. So, yeah, that's what I did. Mm-hmm. These nice. casual things. Good game to relax to. Sure, because we all need to de-stress sometimes. <laughs> Especially during these hectic De-stress, holiday. not distress. Right. <laughs> distress was for the firemen. Yeah. Yes. Well, so we said it was Black Friday, which always means hot sales. Yeah, we always talk about some things we picked Great up, deals. Right? Mm-hmm. Was there anything in specific that you thought well, was worth uh, I was kind of working that day, so I missed out on some of the, the deals I was looking for. By the time I was home and mm-hmm. went to log in, it was a couple of games I was looking for. Everything was sold out. Everything was gone. So uh, I actually didn't pick up anything this Thanksgiving or Black Friday. Uh-huh. I noticed that in general, I didn't really notice that many like good deals or sales. A lot of the stuff I saw was like stuff that I saw during the summer and nothing really that special. Right. I didn't go crazy about it really depends what you're looking for, but the type of gaming deals that we typically look out for, nothing super exciting. I did still manage to pick up a few things. Yeah. So I guess I can tell you a little bit about that. As far as games go, I did pick up a few PlayStation 4 games more than anything. A few of them just went under 20 bucks. Most of them were maybe 15 uh, that I was able to score. So those were Watch Dogs 2, which was... Obviously, the sequel to the first game, which I still haven't played. But But you do have it. But I do have it. (laughs) Okay. Also on PlayStation 4. uh, But 
I think um, they're not really connected. It's not like you have to play the first one to play the next one. It's kind of a different scenario this time. Mm. So they can be played in either order, I guess. Also on my list was the Uncharted games, the last few that came out that I didn't have yet. So Uncharted 4, I hadn't picked up up to this point. That's the latest one, right? So Uncharted 4 was A Thief's End. That was the end to the story that started the series. And there was another game that came out after that, more recently, called Uncharted Lost Legacy, which I think features some of the characters from the game, but is not about the main character, Nathan Mm -hmm. Drake. So I picked both of those up, because they were both 15 bucks, so why not? And also on my list was The Last Guardian, which was a really long-anticipated game from the team that brought you Shadow of the Colossus and Eco on PlayStation 2. Finally, their game that was supposed to be out on PlayStation 3. Yeah, it was like 3. seven years in the making or something. Right. right? Yeah. It completely bypassed an entire generation of PlayStation consoles. Incredible. And finally came out on PlayStation 4. And that came out earlier this year, and I wasn't in a big rush to get it. Uh, until it I think hit it came out point. to mixed reviews, right? After all that time. Well, I guess it looks kind of dated. Mm-hmm. Doesn't fulfill really, I guess, what they were maybe going for. But at least they finally made it and finally finished it. So there's that. And then the one other game I picked up is a game that I've already bought before. But uh, because there's a new version out for the Vita, I feel compelled to buy it. And that's Axiom Verge, a game that you've played, that I have yet to play. But I already own for... <sighs> Two platforms, uh-huh. or three platforms if you count the cross-buy uh, aspect of it. But finally, they put out a physical version for Vita, and this is called the Multiverse Edition. And they sell it as both just the plain game, and then they sell like a, a version that's $10 more that comes with some extras. So that's the version I got. Now, is this a limited run type of thing, or is that official release? Uh, so this is put out in stores. Mm-hmm. It's a retail version. Yeah, what store carries Vita games? That's what I want to know. Uh, that's a good question. But you can buy this at, I think, Toys R Us. Really? BestBuy.com has it. Usually that's you won't incredible. see it in the store, but you can still buy new Vita games online. Uh, Amazon, obviously. I mean, we're at the point where I think GameStop really isn't even displaying oh, yeah, Vita games get, anymore. They get them, too. They still have a Vita section. Really? They yeah. do. They yeah. do, yeah. I mean, most stores do. Maybe some don't. But I think GameStop is a little too stingy on their display space. Yeah. <laughs> they'd rather have like 20 copies of uh call of duty i th- yeah i'm assuming those companies pay for that space yeah they must i, I mean it makes sense right yeah so that's why they dedicate an entire rack to yeah. one game but yeah so this was a version that came with like a documentary blu-ray disc and it came with like an art book and a poster and there was a version for the nintendo switch which i didn't get but that one in addition to being ten dollars more it also comes with a cd Mm-hmm. So I already had the CD from the previous version that I bought. I didn't think it was necessary to go for that one. Although it probably would have been a good idea to get it for the Switch so that at least I have it for a new platform. But you don't have a Switch? Even though I don't own a Switch yet. But why should that stand in my way, right? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Knowing you. <laughs> yeah, so I, those are kind of the games that I got. Mm-hmm. I did pick up another gaming-related item, and that is another flash cart, another EverDrive cart that I didn't have yet. And this time it was the Mega EverDrive. Oh, because this is because that place goes on those sales, right? Every year at this time? They do their sales. Well, it was the caveman guy, right? Well, so this was available through either Stone Age Gamer, mm-hmm. who is the U.S. distributor for the EverDrive product line. They did a 15% off sale. They do their own versions of these cartridges. 
The option was also to buy it from the source, Cricks, in the Ukraine. <laughs> they did a 20% off sale, and uh, I kind of liked their version of the packaging for this cartridge over what Stone Age Gamer has, so I went for that one instead. So mm-hmm. for 20% off, it's a good opportunity to get one of those. I got a DualShock 4 controller, another one. Because, oh, come on. Did you really? Because, <laughs> because I need to get another one of those. Uh, they were, were holding like parties or something that I don't know about. And I, just like, to. I just like nice controllers. We have like eight now. Uh, DualShock, I had, this would be my fifth. <laughs> so, all right. So, uh, what's different about this one? I want to hear you justify this. <laughs> there really is no justification. Uh, it was on sale for $40 for one thing. Which is not that great. Okay. All right. Well... That's about as cheap as they get okay. for first-party controllers. Okay. So this is an exclusive to Best Buy. Uh, each uh, vendor got a different exclusive on this style of controller. So this is the crystal style of DualShock, where the faceplate of it is see-through. Very 90s looking. I've seen that. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, the back is still that same solid color that the all-solid ones come with, mm-hmm. but... It has a little uh, extra appeal to it, I guess, if you like the clear aspect of it. Uh, So the exclusives are that Best Buy had a red one, GameStop had a clear white one, I guess, Mm -hmm. and Walmart has a blue one. So I went for the red because I don't have any other red DualShock controllers. I figured that was kind of my justification for getting one. Okay. It's also the new style of DualShock, which has the light sensor through the touchpad. I don't know if that really matters, but... Mm. At least it's the newer type. The others are all the old style. So, yeah, I guess my choice was I could have gotten any of those other colors, but I kind of like the red one. The red one. Yeah, that looks pretty good. Mm-hmm. It's not so bad. I like it better than the regular red one. Yeah. For some reason. I yeah, think for it has some a, reason, right? A little extra. Because the back of it looks the same, but mm-hmm. that clear side makes it stand out a Did bit. Did you ever have a pager in the 90s? Probably. Beeper. I'm going to say yes. Were you the type to just have, like, eight different color shells that you would, like, kind of swap them out? <laughs> no. No, those, those, were, those were always work pagers. So, oh, so you weren't allowed to, like, tamper with it? Or? Well, it wasn't mine to okay. mess with. Uh-huh. The default black is all I got. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> was that a thing? People did Oh, that? yeah. No, that was a huge thing. Yeah. Okay. I guess I missed out on that trend. Yeah. The, the colors were gigantic. <laughs> like, okay. different see-through ones, especially. Yeah. Uh-huh. Wow. I had no idea. Mm-hmm. All right, so what else did I get? Well, I got a mouse pad. That's not so exciting. I did, okay. That's on my wish list. I ended up getting one of those hard surface mouse pads. Oh, you did? All right. Uh, a little oversized. It it was not quite as large as I thought it would be. Mm-hmm. For some reason, I was expecting something that covered the desk a bit more. Because I like a big surface that I don't really have to worry about keeping the mouse just specifically on the pad. I like to just mouse anywhere. You want a free roam, right? Sure, why not? That seems like the best way to go. And that's kind of what I had before. I had one of those softer style fabric sort of mouse pads, but I found that they just curl up over time. They do. I guess just rubbing against it, it causes it to, uh, you know, warp a little bit and uh, it got too annoying. So I had to replace it. So that's what I ended up getting. It was like 18 bucks. It was like a Logitech. Hmm. Hard gaming mouse. So now this is hard in the sense that you can't roll it up, right? Right. So it's got like a laminated surface. Okay. Okay. It's fine. I've been using it. Not really a big change, but Mm. I just like that it doesn't curl up. It doesn't increase your DPIs. Uh, I don't know. Maybe. (laughs) I actually don't even use it on my gaming uh, machine because 
the mouse that I have for that one works fine on just the desk surface. It's my uh, server that needs a proper mouse pad. Uh. It's not even being used for what it's advertised as. (laughs) All right. So my big, big, big purchase Mm -hmm. on Black Friday, though, was hard drives. Not so exciting, you would think, right? But the deals were too good to pass up, in my opinion. There were some good deals. I did see them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what's the largest hard drive size you've ever bought? Uh, four terabyte. Four terabyte. Four ter- that was more than I've... Even though I've, I just bought it recently, too. Mm-hmm. And I'm not even close to filling that up. Okay. And four terabyte you can get for probably under 100 bucks these days if you got a good sale going on, yeah, right? That's how much I paid, yeah. Right, so what if I said I went for double that? I went for eight terabyte drives. What could you possibly do with eight terabytes? Well, that sounds like an enormous amount of yeah, data. Yeah, so it's time for me to upgrade my server. I've gotten to that point where I want to store a large amount of data at once. Mm-hmm. And when I say a large amount of data, I'm talking about a lot of media, a lot of movies, TV shows. Maybe my music, maybe all my comic mm. collections that sure I have in digital be, form. Should we be talking about this? On the- <laughs> um, listen, these are all... It's all legally purchased. Legal backups. Okay, okay. <laughs> you ripped your whole collection, I know. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's exactly how I did yeah, it. I've seen it, yeah. So naturally, I want to give it room to grow in the future, right? So it wasn't enough to just allow for 15 terabytes of space, which is about what I think I need for my present collection. That would be two of those eight terabyte drives. Well, you would think... Except that I'm very paranoid about keeping data on bare hard drives, especially mm-hmm. if they're going to be used all the time. Yeah. I need to account for some level of protection and redundancy. So these drives are put together in what's called a RAID setup, mm-hmm. yeah. where the data is not stored on just one hard drive. It's spread out across all of them so that if a drive fails, you don't lose any data until you replace that drive. And then you put it right back in and the data gets repopulated onto the missing drive. In order for that to work best, I use a level called RAID 6 on my computer, my server, and that involves sacrificing two of your hard drives to allow for that redundancy, mm-hmm. whereas I could actually lose two of the hard drives and still have all the data. Now, this requires a certain minimum. You need at least four yeah. drives to do that. But you can't do this with external drives, right? These have to be internally mounted. Okay. So what do you do? You shuck the drive? Uh, yeah, so in, in this case, the, the hard drives that I bought were externals, uh-huh. and uh, they can be removed from the external enclosure. I don't know why they use that term. But the shocking? Yeah. I don't know either. I think it's really it must annoying, be, actually. It must be a reference to something else. Yeah. Uh, removing something from its shell. It must have something to do with that. Yeah. Right. Maybe that's something what you do to a lobster, maybe, or something. Yeah, right, or a peanut or something. Yeah, so I had to get a a number of these drives in order to accomplish what I was going for, and I ended up getting eight of them, which is kind of ludicrous. When you go, you go all the way. You don't, you never just... To be honest, uh, there was a limit of one per customer, because this was a special that Best Buy was doing. Mm -hmm. These eight terabyte drives, which, even if you bought them as an internal drive, normally go for over $250 each. They were very expensive just a couple months ago. Mm Mm-hmm. So Best Buy's super sale was to have them for one twenty nine, wow. which is less than I wish half I the price. Waited. That's good. <laughs> yeah, that's quite a discount. Uh-huh. Uh, so sure, it's a massive investment to buy this many drives at that cost. <laughs> eight drives is a lot. My net result will be forty eight terabytes of space. You've invested in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hopefully the they last. Future of enough. a lot of movie watching, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. 
I, uh, well, so I bought a spare four terabyte uh-huh. back when those were on sale. And I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to create like a home movie thing. I'm going to rip my DVDs. Sure. And that way I'll be able to put on any show I want at any time. Mm-hmm. And you know where that hard drive is? In the closet. <laughs> <laughs> Unopened still. Like, would it be four months later? Five months since I bought it? Yeah, I think that same hard drive might have been on sale for $99, which I think you still got a better price I, than I that. I think I paid like 80 for it, maybe. Mm-hmm. There were some 4 terabyte drives for 80 but I think those were the portable type, the 2.5 inch. You have a, no, yeah. a full. I actually have both. I have desktop type. I bought a, two desktops and I bought a uh, portable one. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you're covered. You yeah. got and, plenty and of space. Two too. of the three are stolen, package sealed in a uh-huh. closet. Not bad. All right. Well, listen. You've got backups. You know, you need to be able to do that sure. once in a while. Uh-huh. So that was the topper for your purchase. That was pretty much my major purchase for the season. Impressive. I don't know that I'm going to be able to uh, buy anything else for a while. Mm, we'll see about that. Yeah, well. Holidays are still coming and sales are increasing as we get closer. It's true. I did pick up one thing. This is kind of goes back to probably a month ago, though. Mm-hmm. This was a gift from one of our friends, Raul Angel. Uh-huh. He picked this up for me, found it. It is a Pac-Man coaster set. You need that. Yeah. Uh, do I need it? You do. I do. It's Actually, got Pac-Man I know, on but it. I kept forgetting that to open it. It's got Pac-Man and, you that's, know... That's the reason to have it. I'm a heavy drinker, so <laughs> I have to put coasters on the, the furniture here. I can't open it. The plastic's too hard, so we'll just use our imagination. But it looks like, you know, it's your standard foam, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like, square coasters that you protect your furniture with, I guess. Right, yeah. Well, cool. I don't remember ever seeing these, so... It's got Clyde, Inky, Pinky, Blinky, the key. Yeah, and all your favorite tricks. Pac-Man, high score... I don't know why you want the high score on a poster, but mm-hmm. it's a conversation piece. That's what I like to say. <laughs> if you want to decorate your space and pretend you're in a Pac-Man maze, yeah. this is the way to do it. Um, other than that, yeah. I did pick up some iOS games and stuff. There was a lot of sales and I picked up a few, but nothing of interest really to talk about. It's not worth really going into. Okay. I'm sure you'll play them at some point. You know what? I'm so backed up on... I actually didn't even buy, like, a quarter of the ones that were, like, showing up on my... Mm -hmm. I just got a flurry of emails one day. I guess, like, everyone just put everything on sale the same day. I mostly got, like, 30 emails from App Shopper that says, like, your app is on sale. Mm -hmm. It's on your wish list. And you don't just buy games on the App Store either. You buy apps, too. Like, Uh, actual productivity stuff. I I do, yeah, because I do a lot of, like, music and stuff on my iPad. I use iPad for a lot of stuff. You know, photography. My alert went off, and I was like, I can't. This is... Like mm-hmm. $200 worth of apps. I can't do this. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. You can pick and choose. But I picked a bunch up, yeah. Very nice. Uh-huh. So I guess this brings us to the end? Probably the end. I think so. Uh, I don't know if there'll be another December episode. Mm-hmm. Maybe not because things are getting hectic again. We're still in the holiday zone. Yeah, but I think January is looking doable, <laughs> barring any blizzards like last year. We do this week to week. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So thanks for joining us once again. I guess we'll uh, look out for any comments or feedback that you might have. Please leave them on our Facebook page or write to us at obbfeedback at gmail.com. If you've got any thoughts about the stuff we talked about, let us know. Otherwise, we'll see you next time.